Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. We are approaching the end of the line for 2021. In a couple of weeks' time, we'll count down our top 20 TV shows of the year. But this week... I'm Jeff Braun. This week, we're going over our best of the rest. All right, so as mentioned, we're going to do our top 20 TV shows in a couple of weeks. This week, it's a bit of a free-for-all. I had a difficult time narrowing my favorite TV shows down to 20, never mind just 10. So I'm going to focus just on TV this week. So the shows that I liked that didn't quite crack the top 10, Jeff's got some movies, and we'll get to some of those in our next segment. But why don't we start with some of the stuff that I loved this year? On the northeast tip of North America is a town called Gander. September 11th, 2001. Over 200 planes getting diverted. Hello? Yes, it's me. Dad, I'm okay. But we also commemorate what we found. Come from away. So I guess this is kind of a cheat because it's not a TV show. It's more of a movie, a musical movie that aired on Apple TV Plus in September, just in time for uh, to commemorate 9-11. This is the story of all those planes that were diverted to Gander. It was turned into a musical a few years ago, a smash hit international phenomenon music, and now it has this screen version on Apple TV Plus, and it is sensational. And I've watched it, I think, five or six times on its own and every so often if I feel like I need to pick me up I might just put that on and put on one of the songs because the music is so good it just it's great so come from away was one of the things that I loved this year I just didn't know how to categorize it so I figured let's put it in the best of the rest and then I don't have to feel guilty about it but this next one is most definitely a television series CSI Vegas debuted October 6th on Global, and I am really actually happy to include this because I thought this would be trash, to be honest. I thought they are just trying to bark up the reboot tree, and it's going to suck, but I actually really liked it. There is an assault on the truth. It's the return. Every case, every defendant that was put away, evidence from our lab has been called into question. Of the global phenomenon. What we're really talking about is my lab's reputation. As a new chapter begins. Do you think I could persuade you to come back to CSI? Our life's work is a lot. What do we do now? What we always do, John. Follow the evidence. CSI Vegas. New series Wednesday, October 6th on Global. Also available on Stack TV. So this season was 10 episodes, and it's a a reboot of the original CSI crime scene investigation because that one took place in Las Vegas, and a couple of the original stars came back, William Peterson as Gil Grissom, Georgia Fox as Sarah Seidel, and even though the show has been renewed for a second season, Grissom isn't coming back, but it's possible Sarah could be back in the new season, and it was about how they they had a situation where one of their old lab techs had been framed and they were at risk of having 
Thousands of cases get overturned, which meant you'd have all these convicts freed from the justice system, and they had to set right what has gone wrong here. So the the overarching story, the overarching mystery was great, but some of the new cases that they had were a lot of fun too. Way too gross for you, I might add, Jeff. I was actually really shocked at some of the stuff they got away. Like, like definitely. Super gross. Every episode had a this big graphic warning saying, uh, "Warning: Graphic forensic content may be featured in this show." And I thought that would probably make Jeff just throw up watching it. Did you yeah, ever watch CSI? I never did. That's my least favorite kind of gore, too. Like uh, back on that show, Hannibal, I didn't mind that because it would be really weird and artistic, and just it didn't. It wasn't attached to reality, like I imagine this forensic stuff is. Nuh-uh. Yeah, it was uh, gross, but I thought it was neat. So that's great. Season or this season is now done. Ten episodes are up. Season two is coming, but uh, yet to be seen who exactly is going to remain in that show. Aside, I mean, they got an entirely new cast, and they grew on me throughout the season. So there you go. Uh, CSI is in the best of the rest. Also on global for me. Go! Survivor Forty One is almost here. And it's a monster. This is a very dangerous situation. With game-changing twists you've never seen before. This season is the most different ever. This is what I want to do. This is what I was made for. It's harder, faster, and more fun. It's the most insane thing I've ever done in my life. Dangerous fun. Survivor new season. I just wanted to quickly mention this uh, because the season just wrapped up as far as we're concerned because we're recording this on Thursday, December 16th. The finale was just on last night and they did something they haven't done since the first season. They revealed the winner on the spot in Fiji. Uh, I'm not going to reveal. Don't worry. I'm not going to tell you who won. But uh, it was it was a good season. It was a tough act to follow after season 40. It was probably the best season they've ever done with all of the returning contestants. But uh, this was an interesting season, and uh, I still love watching Survivor on Global, so that's cool. Moving to one of the streamers, to Netflix, here's a show called The One. I have a secret that I want to share with you. A single strand of hair is all it takes to be matched with the one person that you are genetically guaranteed to fall in love with. Right now, you're selling me a fairy tale. This will change relationships and dating forever. They won't ever be the same again. What a thought-provoking concept this was. Just imagine, you submit your DNA and you find your perfect match. The one person you are guaranteed to fall in love with. Sounds kind of nice, doesn't it? At least, at first it does. I loved this show. Just all of the moral and ethical dilemmas that it created were really fun to explore. Didn't get the best reviews, but I don't care. I uh, I enjoyed it. So The One is on Netflix, and I'll just quickly mention this as well on Netflix. The whole reason these kids got into trouble was because of us. We can't let them suffer because of our issues. The only way to end this is by working together. So, what do you say? Cobra Kai! Season 3 it debuted back on January 1st of 2021. Season 4 debuts this December 31st. Season 1, I thought, was 
excellent. Season two was still pretty good. Season three, I felt like it was a bit better than season two. I love this show. The the continuation of the Karate Kid story. It has no business being as good as it is, but I love it. So looking forward to season four. In a moment, we're going to tell you some of the stuff that Jeff has in the best of the rest for 2021. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and in a couple weeks' time, as we head into the new year, we are going to deliver our top 10 TV lists of 2021, but today we're doing the best of the rest, other TV, as well as a bunch of movies that we liked, and I've only got a couple of TV shows on my list, actually. I've been living off comfort TV for most of the year, just my carryover from 2020 way of coping with the pandemic, I suppose. So Lost and Parks and Rec rewatches are probably my TV highlights this year, but there are a couple of currently running series that did not make my top 10, but are still worth noting, like Magnum P.I. I always like having a CBS-style proced- uh, police procedural on the go. Brett, you like the CSI stuff. I go for Magnum because uh, it's an easy watch. It requires nothing of me. The cast is good. It's a fun gang of characters. The friendship between Magnum, Rick TC, Shammy, Gordy, and Kumu are what really get me to tune in. Uh, the will-they-won't-they they budding romance between Magnum and Higgins, less so. But when they're doing their bickering partner stuff, it's a lot of entertainment there, I suppose. Mostly, of course, as I've said before, Magnum P.I. is simply worth it for the scenery. Uh, minus 30 January Saturday morning is a miserable thing to face in Canada, but it's a little easier gazing out on the beaches of Honolulu, even if it is just through the television. And speaking of tropical scenery, the other show I want to mention that you already mentioned, Brett, was Survivor. It was great to have it back after its pandemic hiatus, even though I don't think this was a very good season. I thought there was too many gimmicky things, and a lot of them didn't really work. Uh, my biggest issue, though, was the characters just weren't terribly interesting this time around. There was no one I was rooting hard for, and worse, no one I was rooting hard against. Having a good villain's always fun. It was just sort of there, and with my Lost rewatch and my weekly Magnum P.I. fix, I was already getting a lot of good tropical scenery. So that's my TV stuff until we get to our top 10 lists in a couple of weeks. Now, I do want to talk about a lot of movies today. There were a lot of superhero movies this year, of course, as there are every year. Perhaps the biggest deal, certainly the most interesting deal, was the four-hour-long Justice League redo from Warner Brothers, the much-anticipated Snyder Cut. I heard about you. Didn't think you were real. Your guilt's have become your reason. Hate is useless. I will come for my great prize. If you want the Batman, here is something that can help you. I have a stake in this world, and it's time I started fighting for it. You've fulfilled your promise. I spent a lot of time trying to divide us. I need to bring us together and make this right. The story of how the Justice League, the Snyder Cut, came to be is probably more interesting than the movie itself. The Coles Notes version is that due to studio concerns and then real-life tragedy, the original Justice League director, Zack Snyder, couldn't finish his movie four years ago, and Joss Whedon was brought in to do it for him. Whedon reshot 
well, what turned out to be most of the movie, and the resulting mess was just the worst thing we'd ever seen. That movie in theaters from 2017 is terrible. Eventually, Warner Brothers gave Snyder some more money to finish off his version, and it came out on HBO Max and in Canada on Crave this past spring. And it's so much better than the theatrical release from 2017. Is it the best superhero movie ever? No, it's not. But the contrast from 2017 is so great, and the epicness of the running time and the story of how it came to be made it a huge success that I don't think anyone was really expecting to that degree. The DCEU also had a huge winner this summer with The Suicide Squad, which is the best superhero movie of the year. I mean, we haven't seen Spider-Man yet, but of all the rest, the best is the follow-up to Suicide Squad, which lacked the humor that the story so desperately needs because its heroes are bad guys. So The Suicide Squad was fun and entertaining. It had a final battle against a villain so bizarre. I'm still not sure I believe what it was that I saw. Between the DCEU and Marvel, I really do believe that the DCEU outshone Marvel this year on the big screen. Not that Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and Eternals weren't good. They were great, but none of those are top-tier Marvel movies, and DC just beat the expectations that were against it while Marvel did not, give or take a web slinger. We'll find out more about Spider-Man in the new year, I guess, once we get back from our holidays, Brett. Uh, I do have a top five list of my favorite movies from the year, but here are a few others worth mentioning quickly. Starting with the most anticipated movie of the year for me, F9, The Fast Saga. The world has a way of changing, but there's one thing that always stays the same. You miss the old life. Do you? Every day. Crank it all the way up. We go around, we on the loose, we are the truth. Yes! <laughs> Ready PD 13. Fast and Furious 9 is not the best movie in that series, but even the worst Fast and Furious movie is still a lot of fun. This is middle of the pack and was great fun, as the story got even more ludicrous than you would have thought possible. There's one more movie to come in the series, although it'll be a two-parter, so I guess there are two more to come. Can't wait to see how Vin Diesel and his family wrap it up. Nicolas Cage reminded us he could be a great actor, given some great material. He was in a super little movie this year called Pig. I'm looking for a truffle pig. Someone stole I don't understand. Tell me you are. You made the right choice being out there in the woods. There's nothing here for you anymore. There's really nothing here for most of us. Buy yourself a new pig. Well, that turned out to be the wrong thing to say to him. Cage plays this truffle hunter and salesman, content to live alone in a shack in the woods with his truffle-sniffing pig until his pig is stolen. He enlists a client to help him hunt down the pig nappers in Portland, Oregon. And while it's actually both as crazy and not as crazy as it sounds, it's an effective and emotional drama with a showcase performance by a guy many of us had written off years ago. Another favorite this year was Guy Ritchie's Wrath of Man, starring Jason Statham. Gotta be an inside job. I can do it in two weeks. You only wish you could do it in 20 years. And I do bear a grudge. 
This is just a terrific heist movie told from a variety of different angles. It's the exact sort of thing you want from both Guy Ritchie and Jason Statham. So it is on Netflix. It's Again, it's called Wrath of Man. Definitely worth a watch if words like heist, Ritchie, and Statham mean anything to you at all. And a movie that a lot of people really did not like, but it's I found weird and weirdly touching, and I liked it a lot, is called Wild Mountain Time. These green fields, they hold me here. What is this, those things? All her life, Rosemary has been in love with Anthony. It's not normal. I don't care. And Anthony Ooh. never noticed. You are famous for what goes by you. Now, Wait for that one. all that is about to change. You kissed him! He kissed me! From the writer of Moonstruck. You'd let me go, wouldn't you? I don't know about you, but I'm tired of living in the rain. Wild Mountain Time. This movie's available on Prime Video. Comes from John Patrick Shanley, whose IMDb vacillates wildly between Oscar winners and nominees and box office and critical turkeys. Not a lot of in-between with that guy. Wild Mountain Time follows the long-festering romance between a pair of Irish farmers played by Emily Blunt and Jamie Dornan. In addition, he harbors one of the very strangest secrets you'll ever hear of. The movie was uh, creamed by critics for all the bad Irish accents and stereotypes, although, I mean... Christopher Walken's in it, and even when he's not trying to use an accent, he has a strange way of speaking, so let it go, people. And like Shanley's Joe versus the Volcano, it starts with Once Upon a Time, indicating it is a fairy tale and not to be taken as some real-life thing. Just let the warmth and weirdness overtake you and enjoy a sad, funny, romantic couple of hours with Wild Mountain Time. In a moment, we'll go through some more of my favorite not quite top 10, but still favorite TV shows of 2021. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes, and we are counting down, going through our best of the rest for 2021. We're going to count down our top 20 television shows in a couple of weeks' time. But for this week, we just decided we'll just do the best of the rest. So Jeff's got some movies. I had some musical stuff in mind. Um, now I want to give you a couple of more TV shows that I liked that weren't quite good enough for the top 10. But that doesn't mean they were bad. They just The top 10 was a really good top 10. So one of the shows that I enjoyed this year quite a bit is on Prime Video. And it actually made its debut in Canada nearly two years after it debuted in the UK. Anna Paquin stars in Flack. The world keeps turning... We just help push. Don't stop. Keep going. I've got this. If this comes out, I'm dead. Wake up. I don't care if you lie or send innocent people to jail. As long as you're in control. We are the guardians of the galaxy. It's a comedy where Canadian actor Anna Paquin plays an American publicist living in London. Her character's name is Robin. It's her job to keep her clients' personal train wrecks away from the public, and she is really good at it, but she is really bad at her own life. Her own life is a disaster, and the dialogue in this series was among the most entertaining, I thought, of the year. Just really sharp stuff. The show itself is kind of predictable, but it was the performances and the dialogue that really sort of elevated it. I did only watch the first season, but the second season is also now available, so I have been meaning to get on that. Also on Prime, something called Invincible. I'm scared, Dad. What if I can't do this? Follow me. Slow down. Land. I said land. Stop! Get up. 
I'm actually getting used to this a little. That's not good. You need to be better. After everything he's done, how can I live up to all that? You need to decide what kind of hero you want to be. That was you, in the blue and the yellow. Why don't you meet the team after school? May we count on you in the future? Yeah, I think so. And bored of this. Invincible, and I promise you will not be bored of Invincible if you watch it. It's a superhero show for adults. It's a cartoon based on a comic book, much like Amazon Prime's other show, The Boys, which is another superhero show for adults. And this just basically kind of flips the whole superhero genre on its head. It's super violent. And it's really good. So it's like a kind of a clever satire of superhero stuff, but it also tells a really compelling story and has a solid mystery. And uh, as you heard, a really good voice cast. J.K. Simmons plays the kid's dad, Omni-Man, who is the most powerful superhero. And the kid, his name is Mark. He's voiced by Stephen Jung from Glenn on The Walking Dead. And his mom is voiced by Sandra Oh. And you also heard the voice of uh, Jason Manzukis in there and Zachary Quinto. Seth Rogen has a role. Mahershala Ali, Mark Hamill, Walton Goggins, John Hamm, Jaiman Hansu, Lenny James, and more. Jillian Jacobs is in there. So, yeah, great cast. This is a lot of fun. And actually, there this was... Um, Decent year for cartoons, believe it or not, for not just for kids, but for a more mature or perhaps an audience seeking nostalgia. Like Netflix had a new He-Man cartoon, Masters of the Universe Revelation, which the first season actually, I think, came under fire from a lot of the super fans, but I liked it. It's a reboot from Kevin Smith. Haven't gotten to the second season yet. That just came out in recent weeks, so I'll have to watch that. There was also that uh, Transformers War for Cybertron series that they split into three volumes. So I enjoyed watching the last two volumes of that this year. That's really cool. If you like Transformers, kind of a fresh spin on an old story. Star Wars The Bad Batch on Disney Plus was also really good. Very... I don't want to say juvenile, but it's a very kid-friendly show, kid-oriented. But I still really dug it because they told some pretty cool... They managed to weave in some pretty cool stories that tied in nicely with events that would still come in the original trilogy because it takes place between the first three and the second three movies. So I dig that. And uh, what else do we got here? Actually, you know what? I, I got a couple of shows in this year that I have been meaning to watch and didn't quite get to in time. So I'm going to start with the amazing Canadian crime drama, Cardinal. Detective Lise Delorme, Detective John Cardinal. He was murdered. Why dress him in warm clothes before leaving him to freeze to death? Please don't leave me here! You wanted Robert to suffer. This is personal. You remember I spoke to my old colleague in Toronto? You got the job? Yeah. That's great. When do you go? Not until we're done with this. So Cardinal debuted in January of 2017, and its fourth and final season aired 
in April of 2020, and it sat on my PVR for over a year. I have no idea why I let it sit there for so long, but I finally got around to watching it this year, and it's sensational. If you have not watched Cardinal, you should find it on demand. Based on a series of Canadian books, Giles Blunt's John Cardinal Mysteries, it's excellent. It's one of the best, I think, crime dramas that I've ever watched from anywhere. But the fact that it's Canadian just kind of makes it extra special and gives it a sense of familiarity. And yet it does not feel Canadian at all. It's just shot so wonderfully. It's It, it feels like real prestige, kind of Nordic noir uh, show. So check that out for sure. I also finally got around to watching Deadwood, um, which was on HBO from March 4th to August 2006. And then they released that movie in 2019. So I plowed through that and loved it. I finally watched Jack Ryan on Prime because season one, I think, aired in 2018 and season two was 2019, if memory serves. So I finally got to that uh, this year um, at the behest of the one, the only Jeff Braun. I also, Oh, it's a good one. Yeah, it was yeah. really good. Um, Netflix had a really cu- a couple of cool fantasy shows as well. They had one called The F- uh, Fate, The Winks Saga. Uh this is it, it was very much kind of like a CW sort of show. It's about fairies who go to this magical boarding school where they have to learn to master their powers while navigating love, rivalries, and the monsters that threaten their very existence. I loved, I really enjoyed it. It was super fun. Came out in January, so it was great escapism for the dead of winter. And they also had a show that came out a couple of months later called Tribes of Europa, which is sort of this post-apocalyptic show very predictable, you know, Every people have sort of scattered and divided into tribes, but it was just a unique show, and it, it's, it's one of these shows where some of it is in German, and some of it is in other languages, and some of it's in English, so it's, it's very much part of this effort to make these shows that appeal to an international audience, and it was just cool, and it had this really end, like, solid kind of cliffhanger sci-fi fantasy ending so tribes of europa was good american horror story was great this year ragnarok was cool on netflix the norwegian show that we both like i really enjoyed another superhero show that netflix put out called jupiter's legacy but i guess no one else did because they canceled it after one season (laughs) so that sucks um the lost symbol that dan brown show that aired on Showcase in Canada. It was a Peacock show in the U.S., but in Canada it aired on Showcase. I still have a few episodes of that on my PVR, but I was really enjoying that because I kind of like that sort of mystery, national treasure sort of stuff. And I should just quickly mention that The Expanse, season six, just made its debut recently on Amazon Prime. It's sixth and final season. First episode was really good. I liked season five, but didn't love it as much. So I'm looking forward to seeing what else they have up their sleeve. And in a moment, just favorite movies of 2021. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. In a couple of weeks' time, at the end of the year, we're going to have our top 10 TV of the year list. But today we're doing our best of the rest. And we talk about a lot of other TV shows. And I'm talking about some of my favorite movies in time now for my five favorite movies of 2021. And getting back into movie theaters, of course, was one of the best things about this year. And there were a few really fun movies to behold on the big screen. But the streamers actually offered up a couple of gems as well. And my top five movies year, the list has a couple. Let's start with this year's entry into the Butlerverse. Gerard Butler plays a dad trying to get his family to say 
safety as a comet hurdles towards Earth in Prime Video's Greenland. Your teacher's talking about this comet. Yeah, it's from a different solar system, which is why they don't know much about it. Closer than any comet in history. Look, the sky's on fire. Scientists predict the comet will cause an extinction-level event. They've been tracking the military flights to bunkers in Greenland. Perimeter breach. I'm gonna get my family in a bunker. Seek shelter immediately. Seek shelter. Seek shelter. Greenland. Now, this might be Butler's best movie, at least of the ones I've seen. I've not seen 300 yet. Uh, the comet's going to slam into Earth, but there's a bunker in Greenland that'll be able to save some of the people on the planet. Butler and his family have been invited, but they got to get there first. And that proves to be incredibly difficult as mass panic sets in. The movie is mostly the journey he, his wife, played by the always wonderful Marina Baccarin, and their kid take from their home to the lifeboat that is Greenland. It's gripping stuff and a little smarter than your average disaster pick. Brett, you saw this. You liked it, too. I I did enjoy Greenland, but my question to you was going to be, when are you going to watch 300? <laughs> it's the Butler verse movie. I'm saving it for the end. You got to go out on a high note. Oh. It'll be the last one I watch. I did watch, I watch it. All the rest. I just watched it a couple weeks ago. It loved it. Loved it. Get on it. I will. I will. The other streaming movie on my list I wanted to mention uh, is going to be an Oscar contender. Netflix pinning its hopes on Jane Campion's The Power of the Dog, starring Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> A man was made by patience and the odds against him. For what kind of man would I be if I did not help my mother? Peter! If I did not save her. Sort of a lonesome place out here, Pete. Unless you get in the swing of things. Cumberbatch plays a crusty old rancher in Montana in the 1920s. He shares the ranch with his brother, Jesse Plemons. Before you know it, Plemons is married to Kirsten Dunst, who moves in along with her teenage son, played by Cody Smith-McPhee. The boy doesn't fit in, but over time, Cumberbatch warms to him a little, and their mentor-mentee relationship fills out the back half of the movie, taking some very surprising turns. It's not quite a magic trick that Campion pulls off. It's more elegant than that, but it is certainly magical. So those are the streamers on my top five list, and as wonderful as they were, it just wasn't the same as getting back to the big screen. Case in point, a movie that didn't quite kill it at the box office like it was expected to, but a movie that definitely deserves to be seen in theaters is Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. It's happening tonight. I want the West Side locked down. i never seen you before. You keep away from my sister. We need you if we're going to war. Tony, I am scared. There won't be any fight. Do you want to start World War III? Stand with us. West Side Story. Rated PG-13. Only in theaters. Spielberg's first musical has everyone asking why it took so long for him to make one because he is very good at it. I'm not much of a musical guy, but I was instantly hooked and along for the ride, the songs, the dances, the sets, costumes, performances, the camera movements, everything, the way it all cuts together, just a movie firing on all cylinders. Another movie, it's also a joy to behold, that fired on all cylinders was Kenneth Branagh's Belfast. <laughs> How could I leave Belfast? Everybody likes them and everybody looks after them. Belfast will still be here when you get back. Will you? I'm going nowhere you won't find me. 
The Irish were born for leaving. Otherwise, the rest of the world would have no pubs. What do you want? I want my family with me. I want you. You know who you are. And wherever you go, and whatever you become, that'll always be the truth. Be good, son. If you can't be good. And if you can't be good, be careful. <laughs> Brenna's Black and White Belfast tells the story of young Buddy, a boy about 10 or 11 years old, and his family as the increasingly violent fighting between the Catholics and Protestants makes its way onto their block. They'd hate to have to leave their home, but the parents, played by Jamie Dornan and Katrina Balf, also don't want to raise their kids in a war zone, of course. It sounds heavy, but all the heavier dramatic scenes are blended in with much lighter scenes about the family and the kids. It's sweet, funny, and very touching. One of the very best of the year. But for me, the very best movie of the year was one I did didn't really have a lot of high hopes for going in. It turned out to be Denis Villeneuve's Dune. A great man doesn't seek to lead. He's called to it. What if I'm not that? You'll still be the only thing I ever needed you to be. My son. The outsiders ravage our lands. Their cruelty to my people is all I've known. Together, we stand a chance. Let's fight like demons. Dune is based on the sci-fi novel from Frank Herbert in the 60s. There was a subpar movie version in the 80s made by David Lynch, and a lot of people said the book was simply unfilmable. Villeneuve has proved them wrong. Granted, this is only part one, so it's not entirely complete, and the ending makes that very clear. But the first part of the story is fantastic. Timothy Chalamet and his family become stewards of a planet filled with something called Spice, one of the galaxy's most precious commodities. There are a variety of factions either interested in taking over Spice production or simply ridding the planet of anyone looking for the spice rights. So it's an interesting story, and Villeneuve has turned it into a gorgeous movie, jaw-dropping visuals, and not just of the big sandworms. This was truly a sight to behold on the big screen. You could make a, a print of just about every frame of this movie and hang it on your wall as a poster. Uh, costume, set design, art directions, it's, ju it's just a winner across the board. I think we'll see an Oscar fight between this and West Side Story for a lot of those awards. Uh, Dune's fun, it was exciting, bombastic, it also runs a little deeper than what you usually get in a blockbuster or a sci-fi action movie. Terrific performances all around, especially from uh, Rebecca Ferguson as Chalamet's mom, I thought. And it's also one of the best sounding movies I've ever heard. So Dune was amazing, and I can't wait for part two. And thus concludes our best of the rest for 2021. Still to come, our top 20 TV shows of 2021. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.